Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is indeed the broadcast for February the 15th of the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Hope you had an absolutely delightful, incredible weekend. I hope it was full of God, family, and country pursuits. And I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that it was peaceful. That you spent your time building up the lives of others, following the Prince of Peace, and absolutely making a difference in this world, becoming a minister, acting as a servant of Jesus Christ. Hopefully that was your pursuit this weekend. If it wasn't, we hope that becomes your pursuit next weekend. Welcome to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. A quick recap of Saturday's show might make sense. We had our guest on, Mr. Richard Mack, CSPOA, and we diverted from our normal political discussions with the good sheriff. And we talked about the county sheriff of America's last hope. We talked about the public event that's one day only for the public, two days for sheriffs and public officials. It's in near the Woodlands in Texas. That's right outside of Houston. It's on February 26th and 27th, 2021 coming up two weeks about whatever right i guess it's 10 days or so uh anyway incredible event coming up just outside of houston in the woodlands this training is absolutely guaranteed to provide irrefutable evidence that sheriffs and local officials of every county and parish have the power and the duty to protect their constituents from enemies foreign and domestic It's a big, bold claim, huh? Well, we can deliver, ladies and gentlemen. The event, well, you can attend it. CSPOA.org. Click on the link and learn more and then sign up today. Would love to have you. We're working on the topics for that event. And so uh, Richard Mack and Sam Bushman chat about personal stories of past events and the value that comes from CSPOA educational opportunities. I'm a lifetime member of the CSPOA and highly recommend you become one as well. Now, second hour, Mac and Sam continue to break down the constitutional county sheriff's proper role and how we could best work with those who are, or those who elect him. So how do the people and the sheriffs work together? We had a behind the scenes discussion of how the CSPOA training events come together. We talked about a bunch of topics uh, that I submitted for the conference we also uh, talked about hope for a peaceful future rounds out the conversation so a lot of good stuff going on that broadcast available at cspoa.org spread the word tell your neighbor would you please cspoa.org you're listening to liberty roundtable live our website libertyroundtable.com our nationally syndicated radio network though 
the folks that make it all possible to spread the word around the country and around the world. LovingLiberty.net. Tell your neighbor. Spread the word. LovingLiberty.net. They've got iPhone apps. They've got an Android app. Download it. You can listen to live radio and on-demand radio absolutely free. You can click and follow the Twitter feed. You can donate. It's one of the most helpful things you can do there, by the way, is donate. We really need your financial support, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, that's the recap of uh, Saturday's broadcast. You know we're live on the air six days a week, right, folks? Six days a week, we're live on the air. And um, it's hard-hitting talk all six days, man. Once in a while, we take a break from politics and diversion and talk about something else. But for the most part, you're talking about live radio that uh, you know breaks down the issues of the day, Break down, breaking down what's important to understand and to be aware of and all that kind of stuff, right? All right. There you have it. Uh, let's see. There's so much to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. It's shocking. We're going to have Lowell Nelson with us, campaignforliberty.org, in just seconds. In the meantime, though, it turns out that Donald Trump was acquitted. Liberals are rioting all over about this, right? They're just freaking out big time about it. And I don't really understand why. All right. Donald Trump acquitted in second impeachment trial. It was a 57 to 43 vote. Seven Republicans voted to convict President Donald Trump. And now the word on the street is there's going to be serious blowback uh, for those Republicans. Without further ado, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org with us. And uh, what do you think about the acquittal for the second time of Donald J. Trump, sir? Well, I think we expected that. And uh, it is the the correct call given the charges, um, I believe. And, um, well, certainly it was a show trial to begin with. It didn't really, it didn't, didn't, shouldn't have happened, really. I mean, the president was out of office. Impeachment is used for the sole reason of removing uh, a public servant from office. So it didn't make any sense to have the second impeachment anyway. But nevertheless, you know, the Senate made the correct decision, and and, uh, and he's not removed from office because he already left office. So uh, And, and contrary, to, contrary to popular media in bed with uh, uh, extreme uh, socialist and communist leaders suggesting that Donald Trump would never peacefully leave power. So much for that, right? He already left peacefully. In fact, even the day of the inauguration, he chose not to be in town to decrease controversy. Right, right. I think it was more of a move on his part to just leave town, and and I hope he'd never attended the show trial either. I mean, right, right. It didn't make sense to have the trial, and and even Chief Justice John Roberts wouldn't preside at the trial because. He knew it was the not a not a constitutionally warranted uh, function, and that's where I'm mad at John Roberts. Though one thing is to bow out and say I'm not going to do it, but he should have spoken out literally about uh-huh. the law. Okay, he doesn't have to make it political, but he needs to seriously say, "Look, the law doesn't support this. That's why I'm not doing it." Uh, and so I'm disappointed in him because he could have provided incredible direction that would let people know the truth. And what he did was he hid from his duty. Okay, it's one thing to say I'm not going to preside over this because it's not constitutional. It's another thing, though, to mumble the word and keep quiet about it, which is what he did, leaving it in the hands of, of debaters and interpreters and everything else. 
Um, you know, what we really should have done is had the Supreme Court come out boldly and say, hey, this is constitutional for Congress to move forward with this trial, or it's not. In fact, isn't that their primary role? Well, that's a great question, Sam, to which I don't know the answer, but most justices don't speak out on any issue, any political issue or otherwise, because that type of an issue might come before them, and they don't want to show any bias yeah, but here's one what I'm way saying. or another. This is not event. a political issue. This is an issue where either Congress has the authority to go forward or not, and in my opinion, the courts, when we, when we have a battle about something, the courts should decide that, and the courts should quickly decide, you know what, either there's authority for this to proceed or there's not. And the courts remain silent, as if we had time for someone to bring it to the courts. Um, do you bring it to the courts in a formal move, or do the courts speak up when necessary? And let me tell you, when it's specifically the Constitution calls for the Supreme Justice of the land to preside over this trial, and he fails to do so, there needs to be an explanation, sir. <laughs> okay. yeah, it's not like point, the you know? Constitution doesn't call for it or anything, right? Uh, you know, uh, governors often ask their attorneys general for an opinion on a legal matter before they embark on some course. The legislature does that, too. Um, they, they get all kinds of opinions from their attorney general's office before, you know, taking a position. So, yeah, you know, it, it, uh, I would have preferred, I, I guess, for Justice Roberts to have explained why he uh, chose not to preside at the at the trial. I, I think that would have been helpful, sure. Uh, he probably would have uh, dissuaded the, several of those seven Republicans from voting uh, to uh, convict. Um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a good point, Sam. Good, good point. Anyway, I just find that interesting. Now, you could say, well, wait a minute, Sam. The courts usually stay out of this kind of stuff. Not when the Supreme Law of the Land says you're supposed to preside over this thing and you choose not to and don't explain yourself. Hey, we're not talking about just some random case where it's like, hey, no one followed the proper channels to bring it to the court. Um, the court remained silent on it because they really had nothing to do with it at this point. Congress can determine its own rules. Those are different matters. This is an issue where the Constitution literally says the Supreme Court justice shall preside over these things. Um, and he didn't. And then the next one in line, the vice president uh, would be the next up to bat they didn't and really no explanation and what you created in this case was a massive conflict of interest uh when you had this whacked out you know long-term senator which was a what a witness a uh, a voter a decision maker but yet at the same time the court judge in the case and you know when you get all that conflict of interest and then the court says nothing about their ducking their responsibility um it's just shocking to me sir shocking how derelict in their duty they've become. But One yet thing they're going to boldly stand up and say, hey, we're not going to even take on the Texas case. Out of here. We're not even going to talk about it. Next. Yeah. Uh, the two are so contrasting, it's shocking. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I would agree. Another thing that concerns me, Sam, is the politicization of the impeachment and trial process. Um, as you know, all Democrats voted to convict, and, and almost all Republicans voted not to convict except those seven. What this portends for the future is uh, similar proceedings along partisan lines for future Amen. presidents. Amen. It's become, well, our founders warned us against parties, Lowell. Need we say yeah. more? Liberty Roundtable <laughs> live in seconds. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan the Mexico City policy.
I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, I'm Sam Bushman with Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. I got a sliver of potential good news if it doesn't backfire. Lowell, you ready? You bet. CDC, quote, domestic travelers don't need to take a corona vaccine to get on flights. Latest news, what do you say? Well, I, I find that encouraging news. Um, they're coming from the TSA or from the CDC? CDC. Because the TSA, they might, uh, you know, double down on that, just like they did last week, announced this February um, decision to, you know, require travelers to wear masks. Yeah, and that's, why, and that's why I say, again, what you've got is a bunch of unconstitutional agencies battling for, quote, mm-hmm. supremacy, all unconstitutional. None of them are lawmaking. They're all um, legislating by... I don't know what you want to call it, by edict or by, quote, regulations, et cetera. It's a problem, and that's why I say it's potentially a sliver of good, sliver of good news if it doesn't backfire, right? Mm-hmm. So the CDC saying, hey, it's not necessary. Hopefully people will realize that it isn't necessary, and we can move about the country freely as we have hitherto done. Our prayers are that that's the case. Well, that's a great lead into this reality check, the great vaccine <laughs> scam, sir. Yes, we're talking about an article written by Vasco Kohlmeyer, who was born in and grew up in the former communist Czechoslovakia. So he has an insightful article posted at lourockwell.com. And uh, basically he starts off with a Washington Post headline that says, South Africa suspends Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine rollout after researchers report minimal protection against variants. And then the opening sentence of the article goes this way, Sam, quote, South Africa will suspend use of 
the coronavirus vaccine being developed by Oxford University and AstraZeneca after researchers found that it provided minimal protection against mild to moderate coronavirus infections caused by the new variant first detected in that country. End of quote. So Bohmeyer, he calls this gargantuan fraud being perpetrated upon humanity in the name of COVID-19. He believes the vaccine's failure was completely predictable and inevitable. (laughs) So basically, Sam, he's writing, he's saying to us that the vaccine was going to fail. Anybody with thinking mind could have predicted its failure. Its failure was inevitable. Okay, so those are, that's pretty strong language. And so he says, here's the truth. He writes, it is, it is not possible to devise an effective vaccine for the type of virus that causes COVID-19. Why is that? Well, coronavirus is a type of virus that mutates widely. And because of that, it's impossible to come up with a vaccination protocol that would stop its spread. Every bona fide virologist knows this. End of quote. But, Sam, the public is not told this. You know, all we hear is that the vaccine is going to protect us. It's going to keep you from getting the, the COVID. It's going to, you know, and, and, and we're supposed to wait, you know, and hunker down and lock down until it's widely available. But this is misinformation. Uh, this, this fact that the, what, what virologists know is that it, it's impossible to come up with a, a, a vaccine that addresses the various variants of the coronavirus. So what happens is that that billions of people pin their hopes on the vaccine. They have desperately waited for its deliverance. At the same time, governments have channeled billions and billions of dollars into the development of these these concoctions. And uh, and so there's a number of big pharma, big scientists, and so forth have become billionaires on the news of this progress and trials of the vaccines, and meanwhile, the frightened and gullible public is kept in the dark about the racket. Quoting again from this article, the first news that showed all was not well came when the Chinese vaccine Sinovac was found to be only 50% effective in Brazil. Bad as it was, we can be sure that even the paltry 50% figure was tweaked upwards by a joint effort of the Brazilian authorities who purchased the vaccine and the vaccine's Chinese manufacturer. They lied because it is in the interest of both parties to do so, end of quote. And interestingly, uh, the Chinese manufacturer of the Sinovac vaccine initially claimed that it was 100% effective, <laughs> right? 100% effective in half of their test subjects, right? Well, it depends but, on how you define effective, too. If it's raising cash at the expense of the people around the world, then that's very effective. If it's, um, you know, raise a bunch of money and not be accountable for any of the negative effects, then it's certainly, you know. So we got to kind of de- define when they say that um, it's very effective or whatever. What, it, what, what effects we're trying to achieve? Is it to deceive <laughs> the public or to truly stamp out the de- disease? What's the real goal? Good point. Great point. You know, their goal, Big Farm, is to make money. So, obviously, it's effective for them. (laughs) That's right. So, so this is interesting, though, ladies and gentlemen. The CDC now saying you don't got to take a coronavirus test before flights. Now, the great vaccine scam is available. So, you got Africa 
basically saying, hey, we're not going to uh, deal with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, but India is in the mix, too. That's right, uh, Sam. They decided not to move forward with the Pfizer vaccine, the one that's called BioNTech. Um, it was evaluated just in the past several weeks by a subject expert committee, and the committee noted incidents of palsy, anaphylaxis, and other serious adverse events that had been reported during the post-marketing and the causality of the events of the vaccine is being investigated, right? So, furthermore, Pfizer, quote, has not proposed any plan to generate safety and immunogenicity data in the Indian population. Yeah, and of course they won't because they can't. It's not possible, Well, Exactly. And so they're trying to pull the wool over the eyes of everybody in the world with this so-called vaccine, and India stands up, and this committee says, hey, you haven't tested the safety of this thing on the Indian people. We're not buying. <laughs> and However, they a, do accept the Oxford one that Africa rejected, right? Exactly. It's so crazy. The last paragraph of this article says, while India rejected Pfizer's vaccine, it approved the use of Oxford University AstraZeneca's vaccine. And another one developed on home soil by Bharat Biotech, apparently, with the Indian, you know, in... in anyway, so that's the, the, uh, the report from, from now, India. Let me, so, let me give you an interesting tidbit worldwide. Mm-hmm. So while the Indians, or, you know, in India, they said, we're not going to accept a certain one, but we will accept another. In Africa, they said, we're not going to accept one, but we'll accept a different one. In America, quote, Merck abandoning... Is COVID-19 vaccine development dropping two, quote, listen, work-in-progress drugs after they failed to meet expectations in early testing. So now Merck abandoned its testing. What you really got is kind of a profit sharing going on between these pharmaceutical companies worldwide. Hey, you know what? We're Ford and we're Chevy and we control the whole car, to, car industry. And we're going to go ahead and say, you know, you like Fords and we like Chevys and uh, it's almost like a quid pro quota where every vaccine company is going to get rich. We'll drop this. You add this. You get this in this country. We'll get that in that country. And behind it all is Bill Gates. He gets a piece of everybody's everything. This is the strangest rollout globally that I've ever seen in my life, lol. And Americans have never been more familiar with the names of, quote, Big Pharma than they, uh, in the history of the world than they are now. It's very, very strange. Yes, indeed. Um, I think it's strange that most commercials during uh, nighttime TV are, you know, coming from big pharma. They're advertising drugs. They're advertising, um, you know, some wonder drug that does some wonderful thing for the human body. But then at the end of every advertisement, they list a bunch of um, problems that could occur. (laughs) You know, you might have nose bleeding, vomiting, nausea. Uh, high fevers, you might even die, you know, and they actually put these things in the advertisement. Strange heart <laughs> palpitations and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great vaccine scam, incredible article on lourockwell.com. Vascal Colmayer with the story. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, part of the reason it's a big old vaccine scam is one, they don't work. Two, they're very dangerous. They've never been tested. The whole world's being experimented on. Big time. Countries are rejecting vaccines left and right. The databases of ill effects from vaccines 
are replete with trouble, but no one knows about them, and it gets worse. Well, because... well, and, and go ahead, sir. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, Sam, that, that, that they they don't want it to be as hundred percent effective and safe. By the way, <laughs> even though they initially make that claim, they don't want it to be that way because they want these variants to pop up, and uh, so that they can come along later with a booster shot or. A, a, a shot keep the panic book. alive. Keep the cash yeah. rolling. Dr. Joseph Mercola chimes in on the topic <laughs> in seconds as well with Sam Bushman and Lowell Nelson. CampaignForLiberty.org on Liberty Roundtable Live. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Over 120 million Americans are under winter storm warnings, watches, or advisories as a big coast-to-coast winter storm brings snow, ice, and freezing temperatures to much of the United States. The storm has caused hundreds of flights to be canceled, and thousands have lost power from the Pacific Northwest to the Mid-Atlantic. President Biden approved an emergency declaration Sunday for all of Texas's 254 counties. President Trump praised his supporters for standing by his side. The president thanked his defense team and GOP lawyers for helping him preserve the rule of law and America's constitutional rights. Trump was acquitted over the weekend in his impeachment trial. New York City police have arrested a suspect in connection with four stabbing attacks on the city's A-train subway system that left two people dead since Friday. Rigoberto Lopez has been charged. New York City Police Commissioner Dermot Shea says 500 additional officers were being deployed to the city's transit system to make sure people feel safe. USA Radio News. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money. Whether it's just for you or for an entire family, MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. Now that President Trump has been acquitted again under impeachment proceedings, what's the fallout? USA Radio News Jeremy Scott has more. Senator Graham tells Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday that Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has hurt the party in the 2022 elections by blasting former President Donald Trump, saying it would be used against them in campaign ads. The Senate acquitted Trump of inciting the riot at the U.S. Capitol, falling 10 votes shy of the two-thirds majority. The process they used to impeach this president was an affront to rule of law. He's the first president to ever be impeached without a lawyer, without a witness, without the ability to confront those against him and the trial record was a complete joke hearsay upon hearsay and we've opened pandora's box to future presidents mcconnell said trump's quote crescendo of conspiracy theories caused the insurrection but he voted to acquit because the constitution does not permit the senate to punish someone no longer in office seven republicans found trump guilty from the usa radio news oregon bureau i'm jeremy scott we are usa radio news
promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, the good Dr. Joseph Mercola speaks out as well and writes a very interesting article, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson's breaking it down for you now. He starts out, Sam, uh, did you know that the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines are not vaccines in the medical and legal definition of a vaccine? They do not prevent you from getting the infection, nor do they prevent its spread. They're really experimental gene therapies. <laughs> That's his opening line, Sam, and, and that really is the essence of the article right there in the first paragraph. Yeah, and let me stop you there for a quick second and say this. In the era of fake news, where they're going to say, uh, you know what, you guys say vaccines don't work without proof or without evidence. You guys say that masks don't work without evidence or whatever. And they run around and make all these claims about the things that we say. And then they're literally going to promote vaccines globally with trillions of dollars at stake and claim that they're vaccines and they've got 90 plus effectiveness rates. It's an absolute, complete, 100% satanic lie from the pit of hell. Fabrication. Okay? They are not vaccines, folks. All right? And this is not debatable. The average Joe could understand that very easily. All right? They're legally not vaccines, but they're also medically let me say that again. They are legally not vaccines, writes Joseph Mercola, but they're also not even medically vaccines, ladies and gentlemen. All right? Listen. mRNA, COVID-19 vaccines, aren't vaccines. All right? They do not prevent you from getting the infection. Let me say that again. They do not prevent you from getting the infection, nor do they prevent its spread. All right? They're experimental gene therapies is all they are. They don't give you a little piece of the, quote, virus in an effort to help you develop antibodies. They have a manufactured pattern that your body responds to that may or not be relevant next week when the new mutation comes out. They are lying to you. I don't know how to make it more bold and more in your face, but we can take this debate on because you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand it. And you ask a few very hardcore questions, and I'm telling you, they will not have this conversation with you because they know the truth, lol. This is why it's so evil and diabolical, because they know. All right? It's mass manipulation like you could not believe. Spot on, Sam, my friend. According to the CDC, a vaccine is a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease thereby protecting the person from that disease. So, right, right? I mean, what it means, if you're immune to a disease, you, then you can be exposed to it without becoming infected, right? I mean, like, if you're immune to the measles, if you've gotten measles as a baby, right, or as a, an adolescent, uh, and, and, and like I did, uh, then you're immune from that disease forevermore, the rest of your life, right? And you can be, in, you can be exposed to the measles virus, and you do not come down with measles, right? That's the very definition of immunity. Well, neither Moderna nor Pfizer claim this to be the case for their COVID-19 vaccine. In fact, in their clinical trials, they 
specify that they will not even test for immunity. And, and, and in fact, Sam, those mRNA vaccines, they do not prevent you from getting the infection. All they do is mask the symptoms that are commonly associated with COVID-19 and lessen the symptomatic response of your body when you get exposed to, to the, the virus, right? I mean, that's all that the vaccine does. And unlike real vaccines, which use an antigen of the disease you're trying to prevent, COVID-19 injections contain synthetic RNA fragments encapsulated in a nanolipid carrier compound, the sole purpose of which is to lessen clinical symptoms associated with the S1 spike protein, not the actual virus. So a real vaccine uses an antigen of the disease you're trying to prevent but the COVID vaccine contains synthetic RNA fragments, not even an, an antigen of the disease you're trying to present. So they do not actually impart immunity. They do not inhibit transmissibility of the disease. They are not designed to keep you from getting sick with SARS-CoV-2. They only are supposed to lessen your infection symptoms if and when you do get infected. That's what Joseph Mercola stated in this article. Mask the symptoms, in other words, folks, so, so you feel as though the vaccine benefited you at least a little bit, and, right? right? So you think that the vaccine is helping you out. Well, we know that the vaccine is not a real vaccine. Now, that's the medical perspective. Let's take a look at the legal perspective on this so-called vaccine. Moderna's SEC filings specifies and stresses that its technology is, wait for it, quote, gene therapy technology, end of quote. That's what Moderna itself says. It's a gene therapy technology. Now, originally, its technology was set up to be a cancer treatment. So more specifically, it's really a chemotherapy gene therapy technology. Now, who's going to take that? Right? Who's going to inject a chemotherapy, gene therapy treatment, um, and, you know, and, and, so, and so they decide, well, we better call it a vaccine because nobody's going to take gene therapy, chemotherapy, right? So as long as the U.S. is under a state of emergency, then the FDA and the CDC are allowed to, to use the PCR test and the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, you know, out in the public, as long as there's a declaration of a, of a state of emergency. And so we can speculate that there's and another as long, reason. And as long as we call it a vaccine under that state of an emergency, we have no choice but to call it vaccine because if we do, then the um, big pharma companies are not, quote, liable. If we call it gene therapies, they become liable. It's the national, quote, emergency that allows us then to change the name to, quote, protect the innocent, if you will. It's all necessary because of the national emergency. We have to. It's kind of like how we lied to everybody and said, we don't really need masks. Well, I guess you do need a mask. We told you that because we wanted the medical personnel on the front lines to have masks, and we didn't want you guys to take them all, so we lied to you. Now we're saying you got to have masks. Well, they're lying again. But this is the same kind of manipulation going on here um, by saying it's a vaccine when it's not. It's gene therapy, experimental. 
Uh, and they do that by this national emergency, which lets them get away with it as a, quote, necessity. The end justifies the means. Mass manipulation, lol. Uh, total, totally. By maintaining the illusion that COVID-19 is a state of emergency, when in reality it's not, then government leaders are actually providing cover for these gene therapy companies so they can, so they can get immunity from liability. Now, one last point that Joseph uh, Mercola makes in his article I think is really interesting, too, and that's how CDC broke the law. Well, it turns out something that occurs in nature cannot be patented, right? So you take a plant like a geranium outside, very natural. You cannot patent a geranium because it occurs in nature. It's naturally occurring. And yet the CDC owns the patent on the SARS-CoV virus. Right? The CDC owns that patent, which means it was man-made. Right? If you can't patent something that's natural, then whatever is patented is unnatural or man-made. And if it was man-made, then the CDC broke the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, which says you cannot develop bioweapons. So either way, the CDC broke the law. These injections are not vaccines. They do not prevent infection. They do not render you immune. And they do not prevent transmission of the disease. Instead, Sam, they alter your genetic coding, turning you into a viral protein factory that has no off switch. What's happening here, says Dr. Mercola, is a medical fraud of unprecedented magnitude, and it really needs to be stopped before it's too late for a majority of the people, end of quote. Well, it's already too late because they're saying a million Americans, what, a day are being uh, injected with this experimental, vac- experimental yeah. uh, vaccine is what they would, you know. So they would call it a vaccine tested, safe, and effective on the market. The truth is it's experimental gene therapy. And there's, what, a million Americans a day getting uh, the jab based on these lies, lol? Yeah, something like that. Wow. And... Uh, so while you can't, uh, you may not be able, be able to prevent the continued deployment of these vaccines in the public, you can stop them from being deployed in your own family. And that's where it matters most, Sam, in your own family. And in your own body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other than that, hey, you know, mass manipulation, gentlemen. Mass manipulation, gentlemen. How it works. Let's talk about that coming up in seconds on your radio. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. You are listening to LovingLiberty.net. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com to begin that restoration.
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, why somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. And I'm Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson riding shotgun on the show today, campaignforliberty.org, ronpaulinstitute.org, uh, the websites that Lowell represents. And Lowell, I don't know how to even deal with this. It's become so diabolical. So evil, so dishonest at its core, the mass manipulation is so out of control, it's helpful to kind of discuss how it works because it, it just seems to be anything we say, people are like, what the heck? I mean, nobody knows where to turn for truth, lol. Well, and that's uh, one reason why it does behoove us from time to time to take a look at what's being done in the mass media, what's being done in a marketplace of ideas and how it's affecting us, or, or how it might be affecting us. And so um, I think this is very helpful. You know, as, as I think about these things, <clears throat> I am, uh, because I know how influence works, then I am able to, when I watch a, a newscast, uh, basically I laugh out loud at the t- tactics being taken by the newscaster in order to manipulate me into believing something or into doing something and because I know the, influ- the techniques of influence, the art of persuasion, really, then I'm able to, 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 to defy that or to stop that from happening in my own, in my own brain, right, in my own world. So it, 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 we, we have to talk about influence, which is the power of persuasion. If you understand it, then you're, you're going to be more easily able to recognize it when others are persuading you and be able not to be influenced by their persuasion. <clears throat> so there is a difference between persuade and convince. Persuade is what you do when you want someone else to do or to believe what you say. If you convince them, then you've been successful in persuading them. But if you don't convince them, you, you may still have persuaded them, but you are unsuccessful in your, persuas- in, 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 in your persuasion. So that's the difference between persuade and convince. So you're going to have people... So they might pers- persuade me to wear a mask when I walk into a store because I feel like I have no choice due to the browbeating mm-hmm. and, the, and the mocking and the, and the abuse that takes place, the literal, uh, oh, what's the term, the bullying that takes place. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm convinced just because I put on a mask today. I just have greater anger and hatred and mistrust for you. Uh, but yet that doesn't mean that I'm convinced. Exactly. And so it does us well not to be convinced 
by the persuasion of evil uh, through the spin that's, that's put on things. And so let's, there, there's just a handful of uh, principles of persuasion or principles of influence that it's helpful to, to, to look at. Number one really is the repetition of the same information over and over persuades you to believe that information. And so you notice this a lot on, on the billboards up and down I-15. You notice this in the, uh, <clears throat> the public service announcements over the radio, and then the mainstream radio and the mainstream corporate press, always talking about COVID and what a danger it is and how important it is to mask up and how important it is to hunker down and lock down and to stay safe, right? Stay safe, stay socially distanced or physically distanced by six feet, and if you can't do that, then wear the mask. I mean, all of this over and over, repetition every day, pounding on you over and over. Repetition of the same false information eventually is thought of as true. <clears throat> now, if you know that repetition is one of the devices, one of the tactics of the, of the adversary, one of the, the tactics of the dark side, uh, then you can be... Then, then you're fortified against that attack. And so as you go throughout the day, every time you you see a sign that it reminds you to physically distance by six feet or you see a billboard that reminds you to mask up or whatever, you can know that is basically a tactic of persuasion intended to get you to believe that COVID-19 is dangerous or that you that you're supposed to behave in certain ways because of its existence. Well, it's a boogeyman. It's devised. It's, it's, it's built up out of thin air. Uh, and and uh, it, nothing could be further from the truth, and yet most people believe it's the truth because of repetition. <clears throat> so here's the next one. Illusion of choice. Illusion of choice. <clears throat> would you, Sam, would you, do you want the Pfizer vaccine or do you want the Oxford vaccine? Right, so you get this binary choice. You I can either have with a... hashtag jab me not, sir. <laughs> That's right. It, the the question is launched in a way that makes you feel as though you have a choice, right? Because if you have a choice, then you're exercising your freedom, right? And and when in reality, the choice to get vaccinated was already made for you. It's a tacit decision. Uh, already made for you when they ask you, do you want the Pfizer vaccine or do you want the Oxford vaccine? They are presupposing that you have already uh, agreed to take the vaccine. So be aware of that, folks, this illusion of choice. Uh, when when you, it feels like you have a choice, when, when in reality they have already made the choice for you, and then you just get to choose the flavor of, you know, of, of the bad stuff coming down the pike. Lowell, let me tell you the big way that I know when they're peddling propaganda. One of the great truth tellers that I know of or lie detectors mm-hmm. that I use, okay, mass mm-hmm. manipulation, how it works. Here's how you debunk it or, or jettison it. Whenever they try to quell dissenting voices by mm-hmm. force, mm-hmm. you know that they've got propaganda that they don't want to be exposed. So I'll give you an example. They're now saying, hey, if you deny global warming or climate change, you know what? We need to probably arrest you and put you in jail. Well, if they've got the science, why don't they debate it till the cows come home and just beat me with science? Answer, because uh-huh. they can't. Okay? So they want to put me in jail and shut me up. Same thing with Barack Obama's birth certificate. What they do is they label me a birther. 
They don't debate the reality of the argument. They just try to make you believe I'm a conspiracy nut. Okay, and we go right on down the road with masks. What they say about masks is, uh, you know, you don't wear them. You're a selfish individual. You know, you're going to put everybody at risk. You're going to, they don't debate the science of a mask. They don't debate, okay, vaccines. How dare you, the government says they're safe and effective. How dare you dissent from that? In fact, you ought to not even be allowed to peddle such propaganda. We're going to take you off of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and shut you down. Your comments, your viewpoints have no place here. You know when they go to force. You know when they go to literally um, jettisoning the argument and personal attacks. You're a nut. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're a right wing. You're a warmonger. You're a QAnon supporter. You're a that uh, they have no arguments left, and they've got to go to these whacked out extremes to literally um, destroy your assassinate your character because otherwise they will lose the debate. So you're a racist. Now we can okay. Whatever they do, it always takes the debate discussion away. Same thing with the Capitol. The reason I think it's a fraud, the Capitol abuse that took place, and that it wasn't General Trump supporters, right after they didn't go in and say, that's a horrible thing, stop the criminals, now let's continue and decide if we're going to investigate the vote fraud or not. What they did is said, oh golly, that was so horrible, now the vote fraud lies are off the table. Wait a minute, we never got to debate, discuss those lies, or so-called lies. Okay, so they changed the game. Okay, the vote fraud issue got taken off the table for discussion. Anybody brings it up now, not only did you breach the Capitol and are you evil, but now you want to go down that lie again, Road? Never mind the fact that I can produce all kinds of evidence, see? We're now changing the game. So whenever they use force and lies and manipulation and character assassination, uh, character assassination to get their way, you know they don't have evidence and facts on their side. You know, lol. Yeah, well said, Sam. Well said. You know, truth is the first casualty of war, and this is a war in the marketplace of ideas. Uh, this is it's absolutely war, and this asymmetric warfare that you described, where they change the rules on you, is is uh, part of their game plan, right? It's uncertainty that exists. Everything is 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 never the same, right? We, we're approaching a new normal, a global reset, right? These are elements, the tactics of the of, uh, of uh, the adversary, of the dark side. And what you just said there, Sam, was spectacular. Yeah, anytime. All right, now let's apply that <clears throat> mass manipulation mm-hmm. to the next final story we have. It's not related to everything we've been talking about, except for the propaganda that's peddled the same issue. Banning <laughs> transgender athletes from competing in girls' sports. So I say, hey, we shouldn't have this male and female created he, them, by God. And they say, you don't have any proof. We're talking about how you identify, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now the battle's on for the facts. And if I speak out too boldly, then they say, you know what, Sam? You just don't respect females, or you just don't respect males, or you just... And, and pretty soon, it's about me being a jerk, a hater, a Christian, um, a chauvinist. Uh, I don't know what they'll come up with, but let's debate the facts about scientific male and female. And that's where the legislation starts, really, in the debate on who stands where, lol. That's right, Sam. In the Utah Legislature House Education Committee last Thursday, they were discussing a bill, HB 302, entitled Preserving Sports for Female Students. I listened to the second hour of that debate right when they were taking public comment, and so I heard all the public comment that was given in committee on this bill. But first of all, you need to know this bill would prevent males from competing in female sports. 
right? Biological males cannot compete in female sports programs in high schools in Utah. That's essentially what the bill says. And it only makes sense, right? To allow males to compete against females would rob females of meaningful opportunities to train, to compete, to go to college on athletic scholarships and so forth. And it just goes without saying, and there, I, don't, I didn't hear any testimony contradicting the fact that males are generally bigger, stronger, and faster <clears throat> than females. But during this uh, hearing that I listened to, what I, what I heard in opposition to the bill uh, came mainly from those who say you cannot deny a transgender the right to compete as a female if he identifies himself as a female. You got to treat them equally, they say. <laughs> that was the the biggest opposition came from that quarter, right? You 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 can't deny a person, you know, a boy, a, a biological male, from competing in a female sport if he identifies as a female person, right? And 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 so then secondarily, on the heels of that opposition, is the reluctance of some legislators to approve a bill, which. Uh, might get them into hot water in the courts, right? Because Idaho's law, which became law last year, it's in litigation at the moment. I read up on that a little bit and found that there's a there's a boy in high school in, in Idaho who claims he's a transgender female, and he sued the state of Idaho. And uh, so there's a lot of Utah legislators that don't want to pull a trigger on this HB 302 in Utah until after they see the outcome of what happens in Idaho. A bunch of wimps. But that's, anyway, that's that's what they're thinking, Sam. That's what our legislature, if the bill passed by an 8-6 to six vote, by the way, it came out of committee with a favorable recommendation. It's going to be a t- contentious issue on the House floor, but I hope they take a vote on it, because I want to see all the, who, who all the wimps in Utah legislature are, at least in the House, it'll expose them as well, as if it hasn't been exposed already, but this will be it'll another... It'll put them on record of who's who, though, no doubt about it, sir. And we yep. bring this up, even though it's a Utah issue, even though this is a nationally syndicated, nationwide slash worldwide show, because this is probably going on in a local political theater <laughs> near you. So Yeah, there's 16, 16 other states right now considering this kind of legislation, right? It's a third of the states. You may live in such a state. And your state may have already talked about it, or they will soon. God save the republic, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Lowell. Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. It's Sam Bushman live on your radio. This is the broadcast for February the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. We use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America, the supreme law of the land as our guide. We call it the blueprint for liberty. 
And we believe the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers to be one of the great peaceful, restorative solutions we have at our fingertips today. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. It is President's Day, ladies and gentlemen. It's a federal holiday. Let's talk a little bit about the history, the facts, and the reality in which we find ourselves. The good doctor, Scott Bradley, with us. He's in the house. Hope you had a delightful God Family Country weekend, my friend. Well, it, it was a uh, it was a good weekend. I mean, I did some teaching, and uh, I did some moving of snow, and uh, we desperately need it. We're probably in the worst drought we've ever had, as long as they've been keeping records in my neck of the woods. And so, yeah, we can't complain about, you know, getting a little moisture, although it's not nearly enough, but but you know it's just been kind of messy you know but um anyway yeah we're uh we, we were in, engaged we had a lot of things to do over the weekend and and had no lack of uh you know activities but but like i say i did spend some time doing some teaching and presenting and stuff like that and some interacting with family it was good and of course you know i always am doing the presentations are not on the price of rice in china they're they're about how to restore the principles of liberty and proper government so that's always great to do so anyway hope our, all yours as well as well as all, everyone that's listening too i we need some uh, you know uplift in terms of principle what we don't need is mediocrity and i you know to me president's day is um is a day to lessers by and large i mean we've had a few great presidents uh, they're very very few and far between kind of ended after about the first seven but uh, I mean, can imagine a day, a day commemorating the likes of Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and uh, FDR and George H.W. Bush. And um, I mean, you know, you could make a list. I mean, I don't need to do all of that. But, uh, but we have had, it's a study in lessers to me, a study in mediocrity. Uh, Buchanan, uh, Martin Van Buren, I mean, we have had a string of losers in the White House that just seem unending. And the people, uh, and, and it may seem like a little harsh to say things like this about men that have held what they call the highest office in the land and maybe even the world. And and, and here we have we have a whole day focused on, on that string of lessers and mediocrity that, uh, we, I mean, and you think, okay, well, we have a day we commemorate Martin Luther King, and maybe we talk about H.R. 40 in, in a little while, too, what's going through the House and the Senate right now about reparations uh, for people of African descent. But, but uh, I mean, well, when you look, we have the only individual we have a day dedicated to is Martin Luther King, and it's because of his race. Now, we do, we're supposed to commemorate the birth of our Savior, but it's largely lost to a um, kind of a big sales event that lasts about a month and a half, two months. That uh, you know we're encouraged to go as deeply in debt as we can when we uh, do as much as we can to push under the reason that we commemorate that. But it's it's kind of a, a little bit disappointing to me that that we do this. I'll tell you what happened, and you can go back into the history. Maybe you've got a little bit better background on this than I do. But I remember when there was a big push to to do Martin Luther King Day. And um, I spent a lot of years as a department head and director at a university and, and 
And they told us that when that happened, they were going to flip between one year they'd do Martin Luther King, the next year they'd do presidents. One year do Martin Luther King, the next year presidents. We went nine years with Martin Luther King Day, straight, straight. They never flipped it. And some of us had scratched our heads and said, well, what happened to your commitment on this thing? And and they, uh, oh, oh, with, uh, yeah, we've been, we've been, uh, yeah, alternating. No, you haven't. I mean, they they just completely went bonkers on this thing, and and I just you know I'm not saying that the U.S. presidents are are icons of greatness in most instances. Most instances, they're they're really kind of I don't know almost icons of mediocrity and and mundaneness and and lessers, and and it's sad that this great nation has strayed so far that we continue to put into office party hacks and people that are so completely without any uh, moral basis in many instances. And I, I think about now this, I mean, maybe I'm all over the board right now, Sam, so bring me back to reality. But here's just a thought. Well, that comes let to me my just mind. set the stage for this discussion because I don't think you're all okay. over the map. We will lay out several serious problems with what's going on today. But let me lay this kind of headline that I just wrote out to kind of bring it to the center, and then we'll, we'll explore the different um, tree branches of the center root, if you will. President's Day, ladies and gentlemen, is a sham holiday, okay? Another fake holiday seemingly meant to tear down American heroes and replace them with a meaningless day off of work. Okay, that's what it is. And what we should be celebrating is Washington's birthday. George Washington's birthday should be the focus here. It used to be about celebrating individuals. Uh, and their uh, dedication to honor and truth and morality and integrity to celebrate their leadership and their role in history, uniquely so. Uh, so instead of telling the bulletproof George Washington story, instead of telling about the man who stands tallest when he's on his knees praying before God, instead of telling about one of the greatest generals in American and in world history, instead of telling about a man who was above reproach and rejected being a king and walked away as, a, as an average citizen when he could have had the, quote, prize, if you will, a man above reproach in so many ways, we just go, oh, it's President's Day. You're going to go to the, uh, you're going to watch the game tonight? And, you're gonna, and, and what we've done is we've, pardon the phrase, but we've bastardized these holidays to the point where it's just a day off work and no one knows any history in relation thereto, which is their desire. It's a sham holiday. Is that a way to start it off, sir? Well, that's, yeah, as uh, our friend Kurt used to always say, other than that, it's not too bad. But yes, indeed it is. And in fact, if you had my book, uh, To Preserve the Nation, you'd look at chapter 15 and uh, give you some idea. Uh, the, the title of the chapter is George Washington, The Elegant Exercise of Power, A Study in the Rare, Pure Exercise of Mortal Authority. And that's the man that, that the, we look to, the father of the country, rightly called so. He was, no, okay, Christ is the father of our country. But there was a mortal man that he chose to stand at the head that provided the moral leadership, the courage, the faith, and, and gave us a, a, an image, a man that was impeccable in terms of his, the offerings that were made to him for power. As you said, he could have the prize, you know, if you will. Yeah, he so was the core offered is the this root, ladies and gentlemen, of honest, accurate, factual, reality-based history and looking to moral leaders 
and appreciating them, not thinking they're greater than just a man. There's only one, Jesus Christ, to where we can attribute that. But there were great leaders who followed Christ, I might add, that we should understand the historical relevance of. And what we've done is we've, we've jettisoned all that in the name of this President's Day, and that's why we're calling it a sham. Now, several roots flow from this center, if you will, point that we're making. Morality of the people involved is the key here. That's the starting, uh, in my opinion, core that we want to really highlight. George Washington was one of these moral heroes. Was he perfect? No. Did he own slaves? Yes. But you got to look at the whole picture of someone, uh, not extract history and, and, and put our current viewpoints to them. You've got to look at the man and what he did and what he did not do to begin to understand uh, the character of the man, the contributions that he made to Historical reality, not manipulated perversions, not shams, but reality based on historical fact, Dr. Bradley. Well, indeed. And in fact, uh, you know, you and I have been at the, uh, uh, you know, Mount Vernon, and we've, we've, you know, reviewed that place together as we walked through it and everything. Um, but, but here's... When George Washington, his, his initial inaugural address, he said that public and private virtue would be the basis of how he ran his administration. And that is how it started out. And, and it started out with a man that was not a power monger. It was a man that would be a no tyrant at any time. And um, I, I'm kind of, you know, it's funny, 20 years ago this year, uh, Tolkien's uh, uh, Lord of the Rings series started, you know, and, and uh, the Fellowship of the Rings was the first one that came out 20, 20 years ago this year. And there's a scene in there where Elrond, you know, the, the elf king, if you will, um, is talking about the challenges they face. And he says, this peril belongs to all Middle-earth. This is Sauron taking over. The evil is taken. And there's so many parallelisms to, to what's going on in the world today. But at any rate, he says... Ah, this peril belongs to all Middle-earth. They must decide how to end this. The time of the elves is over. My people are leaving these shores. Who will you look to when we've gone? The dwarfs? They will hide in their mountains seeking riches. They care nothing for the troubles of others. Then we'll come back with what Gandalf said and then what Elrond respond to, and I fear that we're in a condition that we've got to find a solution at some point, and I'm afraid that it is the little people which is wonderful hope in, in all Christ, our ways. But hope in Christ and hope in we, the people. And then we give our consent to those who serve us. Let's be very clear. Dr. Scott Bradley, to preserve the nation, his goal and collegiate series, freedomsrisingsun.com. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, 
But I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Ladies and gentlemen, you can know who's who in this discussion when you understand who's trying to tear down or who's trying to build up. I think that's a real kind of a litmus test, if you will, for who's doing what. I believe we should have George Washington's birthday uh, as the focus. All right. Now, I'm not against other presidents, and I'm not against celebrating heroic leaders through history. But I am against this nebulous term called President's Day where people get off work and government officials get paid at our expense while they're not working. And uh, we go on and on. I digress, except to say I want heroes. I want individual case studies of exemplars that we can look to. I want people that are that are heroes because they look at the moral character of these people. Look at what they accomplished. Look at what they did. And look at what they chose not to do to the benefit of we the people, to the benefit of historical generations. This kind of stuff begins to matter, Dr. Bradley. Well, it does. And, and you know, Washington was incorruptible. He was self-effacing. I mean, he was, he, he was in charge of the only army left on the continent, and he deflected the power and gave it back to Congress. People were saying, hey, 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 we got our king, we're good. And it was like, no, no, I don't want this. In fact, I could, I could spend a great deal of time on how offended he was that when these things were made. What, do you, what did I do that gave you the feeling that I might have wanted this? I mean, he, in fact, one thing that Washington did fairly well was he could curse a blue streak when it came to uh, making uh, his point. <laughs> and, and some of the people... Uh, recognized when he was really chapped, and, and he really was at times. And this was, I don't think there was anything, anything that oppressed him like the idea that he might want to uh, be the king of this continent. It, it was just so foreign to him. He really was, as I say, an elegant study of power, rare exercise of mortal authority. But but what we've got now, and I go back to that uh, Lord of the Rings things that Tolkien put out so many years ago. He put out, I think, the, the book in 1954, and there's a whole story behind it. The uh, allegories in that that apply to today are monumental, I think, and they're told in a heroic kind of way, but uh, it can be drawn to the day. But uh, Elrond, 
is talking about, of all the inhabitants of Middle Earth, who are going to help solve this? And Gandalf, the, the uh, wizard, says, it is in man that we must, in men that we must place our hope. And Elwan says, men? Men are weak. And I think that's a study of, of what we have had at the head of this country, particularly after the first seven presidents. And I'm saying, not saying any of them were, were perfect, but I am saying that beyond that, it kind of becomes a blur in my mind. I see a bunch of mediocre, mediocre self-serving, and it gets into the 20th century, and by and large, I go, holy cow, what are we doing? Uh, we've, we've had a few very, very, very rare exceptions that have that have done some some things that that um, you know maybe we're maybe maybe beginning or trying to measure up to what the office should have been. But but what we've done is we've blurred this together, and we're celebrating Bill Clinton and Barack Obama and George H. W. Bush and, and and like I say, Buchanan and Van Buren all along with Washington on this. And what's happened is people do not understand what. Uh, uh, massive, heroic kind of figure we had that God called on to help bring this nation uh, along. Hey, you're, and you're and we've set it aside. Kindness, your kindness, doctor, is duly noted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that little depends on what alone means and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we don't need to get into the perversions of, anyway, of so the, many... the point that I'm getting at, though, is that we, we need to to separate issues and discussions. And the moral... And the reason I, I highlight this is because if we're going to talk about uh, jettisoning this sham holiday called President's Day, which is so vague it's a day off work and no one knows any better, and we simply turn our back on historical reality, that is, in my mind, the problem. The solution, and that's really what we want to talk about, is to specifically talk about individuals, such as uh, the father of our country, nicknamed so because of his uh, efforts, George Washington, talking about his high moral character, talking about what he did do and didn't do in his life, talking about um, his strategic efforts as a general, talking about his wife and how she was an incredible counterpart. And I don't believe General George Washington could have done what he did without a loving, supporting, capable uh, wife who had a lot to do with the success as well. Um, you know what? The troops loved her as much as they loved George. And telling these stories and understanding this history is really critical because it touches your heart in a way and gives you an appreciation for what was done, the sacrifices that were made. It's about sacrifice. It's about um, understanding. Uh, for example, you know, Martha Washington would walk among the troops and what do you need? We need food, Martha. We're hungry. And she would go out and bring back food and stew. And, and these examples of the historical relevance matter. Because then you say, we don't need government to just give everybody a food card and not think another thought about it. We need to spend our time ministering to those around us and providing food as Martha did. What an example. We need to understand that we don't need to seek for power. We need to seek it to pull it down like General George Washington did. We need to get on our knees and pray for what the heck do we do as General George Washington did. You see, these principles and these stories, when coupled together, change hearts. They soften hearts and they change minds and they truly bring about a historical connection, a, a heritage connection, American heritage connection. You can't get it any other way and we cannot let them divorce us from this. 
Scott, I digress a little bit, but I, I, I think this is the core. This is the, the discussion that needs to be had. Well, and, and they've done everything in their power to denigrate these uh, the, the, the few great ones we have had. And and I, uh, for some years, and I've stopped doing it, it was such kind of a dour experience. I, I used to get access to new texts that were coming into uh, vogue, if you will, to teach the public school systems. And, and you know, I, I focused on the historical political type text because that happens to be an interest of mine. And and I uh, reviewed so many. Uh, it was just absolutely disgusting. I mean, they would take these great men like George Washington and relegate them to near nothingness. I mean, I remember one that I think uh, George Washington had a half a page or something like that on him in it, and and uh, Thomas Jefferson had zero pages. The man that was the uh, principal author of the Declaration of Independence and and uh, uh, Martin Luther King was lionized, uh, multiple pages. Uh, Marilyn Monroe had multiple pages uh, in the in this book as as an American icon, and and the kids today have have been gutted of any kind of this feeling of nobility that that initially was with this country, and and it's tragic what we have done to subvert the greatness and and the character and the nobility, all of these things that were inherent in those that established this nation. We've denigrated it completely. And, you know, when Marilyn Monroe has far more attention in a book, in a historical book, that's to be taught to high school students. And and she, (laughs) what did she bring to society but uh, debauchery? I mean, think about this. Her affairs with uh, the... the, uh, a list of people from the president of the United States and the and the uh, attorney general to to the uh, movie stars and everything like that. But holy cow! I mean, you, and and you and we leave out these people. You talk about Martha Washington. You know, George Washington did not go home the eight years of the war that he was leading the uh, the country in battle. But his wife came to him in his winter quarters. Oftentimes, she came to the field, if you will. So she, she was a, a full, you know, equally yoked companion in the in this issue. You look, you look at Abigail uh, and John Adams. I mean, holy cow! I mean, talk about brilliant minds being woven together, and uh, the character and nobility of these people. And, and we don't even we don't even breathe anything like this anymore about any of these people, and and it's all on debauchery and and uh, just things of kind of sordid, tawdry kind of things that, that, that they try to put up to tear them down. And there's a reason for this. They tear down the, 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 what people would look at as the moral character of this individual, and it's more easily done to unseat the principles they brought forth. And so we talk about, and falsely so, the affairs of the early leaders of the, of the nation, and we bring them to the forefront and uh, there is no, there is no historical uh, verification. These are totally made-up things. The Sally Hemings thing, and we could talk about how it's not DNA proven. We could talk about Ben Franklin and his affairs that didn't happen. And, and, but, and anyway, gentlemen, I guess we got to Let me just start this way and say my job is to trigger people like Scott Bradley so that they tell you the tales, the truth serum of history, and we do it all on your radio. This is the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. 
protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. Nearly 170 million people are under winter weather advisories Monday as icy roads, power outages, and dangerously low temperatures are threatening traffic and straining power grids from coast to coast. The severe winter weather has sparked emergency declarations in Alabama, Oregon, Oklahoma, Kansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, and Texas, which has been hit the hardest. The city of Minneapolis, Minnesota on Friday reversed its original push to defund the city's police department after residents begged the city to hire more officers, citing low response times and increased violent crime. The city council on Friday voted unanimously to approve $6.4 million in additional funding that police had requested. One person has been taken into federal custody as authorities continue searching for dozens of migrants who called 911 while trapped inside a tank truck unable to breathe last week. The chilling call triggered an urgent search for the migrants in Texas. USA Radio News. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The product that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. Asian shares advanced to record highs on Monday as successful coronavirus vaccine rollouts globally raised hopes. China and Hong Kong markets are shut for the Lunar New Year holiday. U.S. stock markets will be closed Monday for the President's Day holiday. Faith-based organizations are getting help from Washington. USA Radio News' Jeremy Scott reports. The White House is relaunching the Office of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships, a 20-year-old initiative put in place by President George W. Bush. President Biden signed an executive order Sunday to relaunch the office aimed at fostering cooperation between the federal government and faith-based and secular community organizations. In a statement, the White House promised a commitment to our cherished guarantees of church-state separation and freedom for people of all faiths and none. They plan to address the the COVID-19 pandemic and boost economic recovery, combat systemic racism, increase opportunity and mobility for historically disadvantaged communities, and strengthen pluralism. From the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. Thanks for listening. We are the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live syndicated by LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Our website, LibertyRoundtable.com. LovingLiberty.net has live and on-demand radio at your fingertips 24-7. They also have phone apps, by the way. You can get an Android app or an iPhone app. Download and listen to live and on-demand radio free at your fingertips. Check it out today, LovingLiberty.net. Now, we're talking about the sham holiday. The President's Day is, folks. And we're talking about the reality of this day is intentionally made vague to the point where you learn nothing and feel nothing except for thank the heavens for a day off of work. 
and it's a sham holiday. It's another fake holiday that is seemingly meant to tear down American heroes and replace them with a meaningless day off of work. And we talked about George Washington's day should be the focus. We're talking about the moral character of the man. And so I want to spend the last uh, half hour, time flies when you're having fun, we're with Dr. Scott Bradley, to preserve the nation, his collegiate series available at freedomsrisingsun.com, along with weekly webinars and Q&As, over a thousand videos there, and more. Sign up and become a member today. Freedomsrisingsun.com is that incredible website. But he joins us on the radio twice a week, Mondays and Fridays as well, to provide historical context and to provide uh, guidance about what we ought to hold dear and what we ought to jettison in helping us deprogram uh, from the matrix of propaganda that President's Day engenders. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we really need to understand this. I want to spend the rest of the time talking about two things. One, some of these heroes that we've been highlighting, and we need to bring that back in America so that you can have American heritage and tie yourself back to the sacrifices that were made and then look forward to carry on their legacy in a meaningful way. That's who you are, folks. You're children of God. And you've got American heritage running through your veins. You need to look back at heroes and look forward and say, what can I do to be a pioneer in my own way? What can I do to make a difference? My difference may be small. I may be Sam Bushman. I'm no General George Washington or or the like. Uh, But you know what? I can make my mark in my own way to preserve this country for future generations. And I can do what I can within my own sphere and let that be enough. God knows me. He's placed me in this you know, situation or these days uh, at this time for a purpose. And I'm going to make sure that I fulfill that purpose to the best of my ability and turn to God to add grace to my failings and my bumblings and my humble efforts as they are and try to make them bigger than they are, which, by the way, is what what God does for all great selfless heroes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to highlight that, and I want to talk about these two people. So there's a lot of great people in history we'll talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Patrick Henry. I want to talk a little bit about Nathan Hale. I want to talk a little bit about James Madison uh, and Thomas Jefferson and some of these people. But before we get there, you were mentioning right before the break that these Sally Hemingway lies and disbursements, if you will, how dishonest and immoral they are without evidence. They love to use this term, uh, Dr. Bradley, without evidence, but they never bring up without evidence when they peddle their porn of manipulated history without evidence, sir. Well, Sally Hemming, as uh, maybe hopefully all of your listeners know, was a black slave owned by uh, Jefferson. And the uh, scurrilous uh, topic of, of the uh, the inappropriate affair between Jefferson and her was started by a yellow rag journalist named Colander back in Jefferson's day. Uh, Colander is an interesting character. Jefferson had actually tried to help him uh, with some things, and when he he didn't get the positions he was looking for, an appointment, and everything like that, he turned on Jefferson and started writing things. Uh, one of which was uh, the um, uh, that he in, inferred more than inferred. He basically said, "There's a little boy, a slave boy, the son of Sally Hemings, running around uh, Monticello that was uh, Jefferson's offspring." Well, anyway, all down through the years, this has been, you know, basically amplified and played off on by by so many people. And then here, back during the Bill Clinton era, when there was this uh, Monica Lewinsky thing going on, uh, there was a study put out by Nature magazine. Um, it got by the name of Foster had written it, but at any rate, they claimed absolute DNA proof. Jefferson fathered children with Sally Hemming. I mean, that was the headline and everything like that. I wrote extensively about that and. 
analyzed and examined, and we don't have time to go through all of the the uh, proof and details. But basically, uh, there's a you know a, an anomaly on the Y chromosome of the Jefferson family, and uh, and their Jefferson didn't have any male children, and so they they used a relative uh, of his, and they they examined this Y chromosome, and and they looked at all of Sally Hemings' uh, descendants. And unequivocally, let me say this before we run out of time, the little boy that was uh, running around Monticello at the time that Colander wrote this stuff, absolutely, unequivocally, totally, and completely was proven, DNA proof, to not be a descendant of Jefferson because they followed his descendants. They found none of this uh, anomaly that's pass, passed from father to son in the, in the, his chromosome makeup. Okay, so so he was not. Now, there were some others that had that Y anomaly. And so they, they tried to tie that. But first, just understand, the colander thing that was promoted said no. Now, uh, oral history throughout all time uh, in the Jefferson family has been that a, another male relative of, of Jefferson fraternized with the slaves, particularly during celebrations and so on. They like to go you know, to their dances and so on and so forth. Anyway, uh, the, the likelihood of him being the uh, the father of, of those through Sally Hemings is very high. But that's always been the story. And and the, But they played this up about Jefferson. Now, the thing to remember about Jefferson is that when these other children were fathered, he was living basically as president of the United States. He had people around him all the time. His daughter had come to be, you know, the first lady, if you will, because he was uh, a widower. And she slept in the next bedroom. And and there was all sorts of you know if you will witnesses to his uh, lack of fraternization with Sally Hemings, but there's been all sorts of pseudo historians that have played this up, and and now with this nature thing, they it suddenly was front page headlines. It gave cover for uh, uh, for what's his name, uh, Bill Clinton, and the Lewinsky thing. All oh, presidents have always done this, but the fact of the matter is, it it when it, this came out that I've just told you about uh, this, these issues, Nature magazine retracted the article very quietly, and there was no further discussion about it. But still, the headlines of the day Well, there's no endured. further discussion because they'll have to admit and retract. That's why. And, and I would write letters, letters to the editor and the editorial staff. I remember one newspaper, their editorial staff called me to berate, berate me as a racist and everything like this. And no, 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 we're just going with the science on this thing. You know, and this was 25 years ago, you know, and more. But, but the fact of the matter is, these stories, once they have been planted, do not die. And, and there's uh, falsehood throughout everything. And hopefully at the very end, you know, you started talking about our time a little bit, and it, something came to mind as I, I closed uh, Chapter 16 in my book with, if you give me just a minute or so to read that, because, I mean, I said it so eloquently. No. <laughs> the point of the matter is, I think it makes the point of this and being our responsibility to turn the country around, to turn back to God, to become... And, and ladies and gentlemen, before he reads this, I want to say this highlights our day, our opportunity, solutions on the table. Doctor? Well, I've been talking in this little segment about the challenges that face those that founded this nation. I mean, I started right, you know, with the Pilgrim Puritans, and we brought it forth, and 
and and through the founding era and everything, and the challenges that face, and have faced it often throughout our history and everything like that. And then, uh, this is from the end of the chapter 16, no longer are there oceans to navigate whereby the pilgrim Puritans could gain the privilege of worshiping God according to the dictates of their conscience. No longer are there frontiers to cross in order to establish a haven wherein God may be recognized publicly in the affairs of men. The line of demarcation has been drawn. Those who desire liberty may no longer retreat and find havens of safety wherein they may worship their God, cherish their individual liberties, and enjoy government constrained within its proper bounds. It is here and now wherein they must make their stand and make sure the nation's freedom and peace and ensure that their wives and children, indeed their unborn posterity, may enjoy these blessings and continue to abide in truth and proper principle. All that the nation has cherished is at stake. Those that went before recognized what the stakes were. They drew upon their faith in God and upon their courage and stepped forward in the cause of liberty. To this end, the founders willingly pledged before God their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Perhaps that pledge and devotion may be renewed in modern America. And so ended my little quotation there. But the fact of the matter is, we today have a responsibility to renew these things in the hearts, not only our own hearts, but our children and grandchildren. And uh, I, I, uh, last week, and I'm, I'm teaching uh, for about three months a uh, a uh, co-op of, of uh, homeschooled kids and. And I'll talk for a minute about this is the day of the anti-hero. I spoke about that last week, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit for a minute. Liberty Roundtable Live, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Scott Bradley with us to preserve the nation is collegiate series and book. Freedomsrisingsun.com. It's all there. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205 672 2000. Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Dr. Scott Bradley with us, ladies and gentlemen. To preserve the nation is our goal. Freedomsrisingsun.com is website. And we want to talk about how these heroes are being absolutely slaughtered as they dishonestly, intentionally manipulate reality and history, ladies and gentlemen. Doctor? Well, today is truly uh, the age of the anti-hero. We're not just pushing the other guys out. We're promoting anti-heroes here for, for a little while. I, I think back, it was probably about 20 years ago, there was a, a survey done, widely done, among the nation, among young people. And the, the question was something like, was who is the most famous person in the universe? You know, And uh, it's really interesting, uh, you know, with the word universe in there, there were probably some kids who thought, wow, that's a pretty big place. Uh, you know, So if, I think with that expanded focus... God came in second, okay? But uh, the one that came in first was a basketball player by the name of Michael Jordan. And, you know, he had a great hang time with his slam dunking and a magnificent basketball player and everything like that. But but the fact of the matter is, to have that be the hero of, of, these, uh, of the nation, if you will, uh, the most famous and the most well-known and everything like that, these false heroes are promoted at every organ of society, whether it's the medium and, and you know the media, the entertainments, the sports, the education systems. I mean, if you look at Black History, for example, W. E. B. Du Bois, a, a blatant Marxist, is put forth as as the icon of of the black man that, that we should all be trying to emulate. That that brings forth. He was the antithesis of Americanism. You know, uh, Booker T. Washington is who? You know, kind of thing. Born as a slave. We don't even know for sure when, about 1855, 56. We don't know for sure. But uh, he became a, a university pro- professor and, and uh, president. And, and uh, his greatest, most close friends were, were former slave owners and former slaves. And, and you look at George Washington Carver, who is a great scientist that worked with Booker T., at his university. I mean, these things are completely subverted. Now, I'm old enough that in, back in the 50s, we did some review of some of these people. But in today's world, they don't even exist. If, if you look at the, the achievements of, that are really great by people, I don't care what color they are, they've subverted these kinds of things. And, and so what's happening is, is this anti-hero time is, is really destroying the world, the nation, our families, we as individuals, we are degrading because of the preeminence we give to these false heroes. And what we've got to do is we've got to seek to change this condition, and we can do it. But we've got to go back and look at, at uh, you know, these first-person, you know, histories. Uh, for example, I wrote a preface here le- lately to a—Utah has a law that says you've got to teach the kids in Utah— 
Utah history. Our history that's taught is abominable in the public education system. They've subverted all the greatness, the heroic people, the the people that were monumental, uh, you know, little people. The, their courage was magnificent. And, and, you know, all of the miraculous things that happened that brought about the state of Utah, we've, we've just subverted all of that with the revisionist history, and that's, that's across the board. The reason I mentioned Utah history was that back in 1890, there was a four-volume set. Each volume's 800 pages long. <laughs> I mean, that's it's a Utah, it's a true Utah history, and it's available. You can get it on Amazon. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the people that put this out asked me to write the preface to the new release of this 130-year-old document, and uh, and so I wrote the preface to it. So I, I reviewed it, and it is unbelievable. The first-person stories. And I guess that what that brings out is I believe we need to go back to the first-person accounts. We need to go back to the original sources instead of reading what the revisionists have uh, dumbed it down to. They've turned blather into what our history is, you know. And, and so we can change it, though, but we need to go back to the original sources. We need to spend time with people that have not seemingly had a purposeful effort to denigrate the things that, that made this nation greatest, freest, strongest, most happy, most prosperous nation on earth. I use that phrase a lot because it is so true. You know, when you think about what was happening just before the Constitution was written, we were a dusty backwater um, set of old colonies that were about ready to revert back to being colonies again because we were just struggling in the mire. And we got a new Constitution. It was ratified. It was put into effect. And suddenly the nation stood up, dusted itself off, and and strode forward in, in great courage and faith to become what we became. Were we perfect? No, we weren't. There were a bunch of things that we had to resolve, we had to struggle through. There's struggles in mortality. And those that try to make us believe that, that, oh no, they weren't perfect, so we threw it all out. And they emphasize the warts, if you will, on on those that were involved in it, to the point they're throwing it all out, and they're going to replace it with a Marxist philosophy, and that's the way the Marxist philosophy is promoted. It's by conflict. It's by turmoil. It's by these ideas of their countering the goodness that we know is there and, and denigrating it, and, and when all the turmoil's over, it's going to emerge as to what this country is becoming under the current Marxist leaders that we have. So we've got to go back and, and do that honest the honest review and, and come to instill this in our children and grandchildren again, our great-grandchildren. Um, but, but there's been a concerted effort for many decades. Uh, a good friend of mine, when he was obtaining his doctorate uh, uh, many years ago, back in the 70s, uh, he was at a Midwestern university, and, and uh, he was focused in history. And there were a lot of PhDs, well, they were candidates or PhD candidates that were being groomed to be the revisionists of history. And he personally told me stories of people that he knew that they were being brought forth as the new historians that were going to make uh, the changes in America that they wanted to bring about. And he, he was there among these people that were being groomed to do the dastardly deeds, if you will. And so, I mean, I have personal first-hand knowledge of some of the, well, second-hand, because he told it to me, but, but the fact of the matter is this, is this is a purposeful thing that is being done. And, and the, the greatness of America is being denigrated by 
a bunch of lessers. And that's coming back to the presidential thing. We have a bunch of lessers that have held the office and uh, and have been manipulated by those that are seeking to overthrow the freedom of the land, and indeed the freedom of all the lands. Because if the light goes out in America, it's the last hope. I have many friends, well, I don't have as many as I need, but friends that are from international locations that say, you guys have got to pull it out. You guys have got to figure out how to make this work, because when you guys go dark, the whole world goes dark. And that's been the target. If you look at what Engels wrote about the preface to the uh, Communist Manifesto, America, or well, California is one of the mentions, but it's in America, or at least used to be, is mentioned three times. <laughs> they were aware of what the real target was. And and if you stop and think about it, you look at the Woodrow Wilsons of the world, for example, and then, then Harding came after him. And Harding, as, as bad as they say his uh, scandal-ridden presidency was, it wasn't nearly as bad as the dastardly deeds that Woodrow Wilson did with, with guys like the Dulles brothers that were helping pull this into a globalist world that, that, that subverted the Constitution. Now, Cal Coolidge came along after the death of Harding, and while he wasn't perfect, he was probably... Uh, I think, arguably, the, the best president of the United States in the 20th century, not because of any monumental thing he did. It's what he didn't do. Well, he didn't intervene when he shouldn't the, have. That's why I highlighted the didn't, didn't do issue at the start of the uh, thing. Andrew Jackson, for example, routed out the bankers. He didn't accept the bankers. And what we need to do also is understand that the heroic deeds people do in spite of <clears throat> their imperfections. So, you know, they can point to George Washington being a slave owner. You know what? It's impossible to look back at their time and put ourselves in their shoes and understand the circumstances that he found himself in. But he denounced slavery. He did all he could to be kind to those around him. Uh, and, it, you know, it was a situation that I don't know how much control he had over. Um, you know, people would, uh, slaves would be in trouble if they were left on their own many times. Uh, and leaders who went against slavery at the time put their own lives and their own abilities in jeopardy. And so we need to be very careful when we judge the the characters of history in our own, quote, modern vernacular understanding or circumstances or, quote, greater enlightenment. We need to be really, really careful uh, about that. But I want to, before the end of the program, highlight people like Patrick Henry, people like Nathan Hale, people like Thomas Jefferson, people like uh, James Madison, and some of these people. You know what? They weren't perfect. And if you isolate anything in their character, you know, you'll find flaws. They're human. I'm not going to deny that. But I'm also going to say, let's not take away from their unique contributions to liberty, their sacred dedications to God, often overlooked and ridiculed and mocked, and most importantly, their unique contributions. Okay, Sam Bushman's a flawed character, but you know what? For 25 plus years, I've contributed to the best of my ability radio that can help educate and to unwind the propaganda and replace it, the news the networks refuse to use, with truth. And, and you know what? Am I perfect? No. If you dig into my character, will you find a flower or three? Oh, I'm sure you'll find many. Just ask my wife. I'm just kidding. But all I'm telling you is, look, we're not perfect. That isn't the point, nor should it ever be, Doctor. You know, you mentioned a bunch of these individuals, um, and, and all of us are mortal, and there's only been one mortal individual that walked this earth that was perfect, and we all seek to emulate him, or we should be if we're not. But uh, you look at the characters of today and uh, compare them to those, if you will, of the past, some of the, 
the gentleman that you mentioned in these things. I mean, and there's good and noble women that must be thrown into that uh, that you know list of people that you you brought forth. But I I'm hard pressed to find anyone today that's worthy to stand in the shadow of these individuals, let alone replace the principles that they brought forth, in my opinion, under the inspiration of God. And, and I can go back and document pretty convincingly, I believe, that they felt the hand of God as they brought forth the things that they did. And again, I'm not trying to, to place them as perfect individuals, but they're, the people of today are far more character flawed in far more ways then, I mean, uh, people say, oh, they're a kinder, gentler nation. We're trying to make everybody happy, and, and we're going to make everybody so there's money enough to go around. No, they're doing it through false philosophies that violate the Ten Commandments. They're stealing from one and giving to another. The fact that you want other people to have does not mean that you have a right to violate individual God-given rights. And by the way, this thing that Biden's doing about the church thing, I wish we had time to talk about it. This church-state arm-in-arm kind of thing, holy cow, a formula for disaster. We'll link to it hopefully on Friday, uh, Doctor. Hopefully. Email me a couple of bullet points, and we'll make sure to highlight that. Ladies and gentlemen, understand this. We don't mean to go negative. This is a day, in my opinion, that's become a sham holiday. Acknowledge that reality as you, uh, what, de-educate yourself from the propaganda? And as you, as you re-educate towards understanding of individual heroism, true history, honest assessment, bringing forward the best in people and looking forward with faith and hope in God Almighty and saying, I'm going to learn from these great heroes of historical reality and I, I'm going to connect my American and my godly heritage to them and to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to go forth walking tall, doing the best I possibly can humbly discharging discharging my responsibilities. Whether I get credit or not is not the point. But as I build a better nation for the next generations, that is the point. God save the republic. Thanks, doctor.